Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Arnault, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast featuring the theme Intrigue, a theme chosen by our special guests and co-curators for the evening, the creators of the illustrated novel Taylor Swift Girl Detective, Kitty Curran and Larissa Zagaris. This half of the show, we're featuring storytellers Katie Johnston-Smith, Brian Willey, Jen Ducharm, and Becca Brown, plus music from Becca, me, Dwight Hassler, Claire Friedman, and Jim Snedeker. What a rad time this was. Hope you enjoy listening to it. We really had a great night. Um, so here's a pretty exciting plug, in my humble opinion. This Thursday, September 1st, I'm launching a new podcast with the Nerdalogs that I am so pumped for. The show is called Blank Cassette. And it's kind of like a cross between Mortified, Snap Judgment, and The Catch-Up, which was a Nerdalogs podcast that you hopefully listen to. Uh, every episode, we're going to dive into a mix someone made and look song by song or block by block to get the story behind that mix. I'm really super stoked to share this with everybody, so watch the Nerdalogs site and or iTunes for this bad boy this Thursday. Uh, we'll also talk about it on a studio, Your Stories slash Our Stories, next week. Uh, otherwise... Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode, Cards Against Humanity, and thanks, of course, to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for making that all happen. If you've got a local business and you'd like to get incredibly affordable advertising and help out local art, visit chicagopodcastcoop.com for info on how you can do that. Uh, if you'd like to help support this show, uh, you've got a couple options as well. Rating and reviewing us on iTunes always helps. If you really like us, you can also mosey on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash and get some rewards for helping us create. Uh, there are going to be some really cool extras coming out of Blank Cassette, so you might want to check that out now, because I do actually have a very cool thing going up this Thursday, even. Uh, of course, thank you everyone for listening, regardless of your contribution level. Your ears are all we really need, and we love you for that. So with that all said, enjoy the show! So uh, I'm going to play a Taylor song off um, one of my favorite albums from last year, uh, which, so Jim and I had a little discussion about this album last time uh, we did a song from them. We did, because uh, 
Jim feels, as I guess some some people do, that maybe it's a little dishonest for someone to record a whole album of covers of the most popular album of the year and say it's his breakup album. But you know, I get it. I feel like we're all probably here because, in a certain, in some way, we relate to pop culture and we internalize that pop culture. And even though I'm not exactly Ryan Adams, I mean, I'm pretty close, but I'm not quite Ryan Adams. I get where he's coming from, saying that 1989 was his breakup album, and this was uh, that's what he wanted to say to Mandy Moore. So. Anyway, people like you always want back the love they gave away. People like me want to believe you when you say that you've changed. The more I think about it now, the less I know. All I know is that you drove the soft road. All you had to do was stay All you had to do was stay Head me in the palm of your hand Why do you have to go and lock me out When I let you in Stay And now you say you want me back It's just too late Well, it could have been easy Oh Now call me up But I don't know what to say I've been picking up the pieces Pieces of the mess you made People like you Always want back The love they pushed aside But people like me are gone forever When you say goodbye Say all you had to do Head me in the palm of your hand Why do you have to go and lock me out When I let you in Stay And now you say you want it back It's just too late Well, it could have been easy All you had to do was stay I think my ex still listens to this podcast. Not saying whether I did that because of her or not, but you know, not not a big leap to make. So, uh, yeah, this is this is an important song what? for the first time. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, Mandy Moore absolutely listens to this podcast. Now time, she's gonna burn so hard. Claire gets to use the cajon. Oh, that's side. right. She's so excited for this. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so Becca has a Snapchat and an Instagram of, Ka- of Claire doing a drum solo on this earlier. That is tremendous. It's unreal. She spins around on it. It's... <laughs> she's like you, 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 she's you, like you, Tommy you, Lee of the Cone. Spinner. <laughs> Here, let's see this. Okay. Do you need right, more? This is, this is like. Right now. <laughs> Guys, you can hit the box and it makes a bunch of different sounds. <laughs> it's very delightful. <laughs>
it's a, a chunk of wood with like different pieces inside of it. And you're like, this is great. This it is amazing. Great. This feels like technology realized. I don't know why everyone hasn't left drum kits behind in the dust. I know, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, you had the beat for a second. You wanna, you wanna do it for real? No. She just wants to play. You could play with this. I <laughs> Shake it off. 
Cox for that arrangement. Give it up for Claire Friedman on the cajon. For as much shit as we give Claire for when she plays the Shakers, man, it's a sight to see her on that fucking drum <laughs> Guys, we have another half of storytellers coming up right now. First to the stage, a current member of the Nerdalogs, wonderful human being, one of my favorite people, Miss Katie Johnston-Smith! just me talking and then a slideshow um which will it's just enhancement for the people who are here and uh the people that are listening you're not gonna miss anything it's fine um cool all right yeah all right great all right i know how to make a i have a job i know how to use powerpoint um (laughs) great (laughs) hello oh yes i wrote it and i've got a lot of things to read off of Um, (laughs) uh, Hi, I'm Katie Johnson-Smith, and I am a direct product of Spellcheck and what were likely some undiagnosed childhood learning disabilities, Um, but mostly Spellcheck, I think. Yeah, I I need and I crave and I cannot function without the red squiggly line. a few words that I am embarrassed to admit that I pretty much spell incorrectly each time I write them are congratulations, business, and exercise. <laughs> and I would likely be so much worse at spelling if it weren't for my childhood pastime of filling journals with religious thoughts, uh, bad fiction, and drawings of the Spice Girls. <laughs> um, I'd also likely be downright atrocious and downright atrocious speller if it were not for the PBS show Ghostwriter as yes right give it up for Ghostwriter as it definitely inspired my childhood prolificacy I think I said that correctly I did not spell it correctly when I wrote it um, <laughs> if you're familiar with ghost if you are unfamiliar with ghostwriter I have taken the liberty of copy and pasting the Wikipedia description into the Google Doc I am reading off of <laughs> ghostwriter is an American children's mystery television series the series revolves around a close-knit circle of friends from Brooklyn who solve neighborhood crimes and mysteries as a team of young detectives with the help of an Visible ghost named Ghost Rider. <laughs> ghost Rider, yes, right? Yes. Ghost Rider can communicate with the kids only by manipulating whatever text and letters he can find and using them to form words and sentences. Yeah. <laughs> Kid me thought that was pretty cool. And she thought the show was pretty cool. And I wanted to be part of the action because who wouldn't? So I created my own ghostwriter style mystery in my head that I very loosely documented in one of my mean composition <laughs> Let me set the scene for you. 
a paperweight had recently gone missing from Mrs. Patera's third grade classroom. <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> yes. So, of course, Ghost Rider and I were on the case. <laughs> Again, mostly in my own mind and extremely loosely documented in this very journal. I kicked off my mystery-solving adventure by laying out the facts. <laughs> Suspects. Bleepy. On eye, which I think was supposed to be one eye. <laughs> Stripe Boy and City Slicker, which <laughs> was spelled with an S. <laughs> yeah. And the evidence, evidence was also grossly misspelled. Um, for those of you at home, evidence, I spelled it E-V-E-D-E-N-C-E. -E -E. Um, the evidence was... We saw them discussing with each other. <laughs> it was not, that's not a full thought or sentence. Um, <laughs> but conversation is obviously grounds for suspicion. Um, and I had one major suspect. <laughs> Um, and he has the same kind of weight uh, that we used to have in class. And he put a sticker on the top of it, probably, so no one would know it belonged to the classroom. And he lies a lot. If he sees that we all know, he'll lie more. <laughs> um. the uh, detailed suspect description with a letter to Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. um, yep. <laughs> and I, yes, I also, I wrote to Ghost Rider and I drew Ghost Rider on the page as well. Um, if you don't know what Ghost Rider looks like, Google, Google Ghost Rider. It's great. Um, great. So I wrote Ghost Rider, Ed in my class, if you've been Reading the things I've been writing, you would know that we only have one suspect. I need more suspects and evidence. <laughs> and I would like to point out that I wrote the correct spelling of bin, and I crossed it out, and then proceeded to spell bin, B-I-N, for the rest of the... Because, I mean, that is a correct spelling of bin, not the one I was looking for. Um, great. Uh, then, almost as if Ghost Rider had heard my plea, I guess Ghost Rider helped me land another suspect. Eric F. <laughs> and, uh, the evidence also misspelled, I believe, in a different, a third different way that I've misspelled evidence. Um... <laughs> He is a friend of Eddie's, and he gives things to Eddie a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was a very good detective. And, um, uh, it, you know, I detected that uh, Eric F. may have given Eddie the paperweight if 
he had it and had stolen it. I was so great. Um, and it was horrible. It was, oh, gasp the horror. Um, after I had both my of my major suspects and my regular suspects properly documented, like every good detective, I made a list of other clues. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my other clues are just Ed lies. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And it was previously previously stated evidence uh, that Ed lies. And um, <laughs> the fact that uh, this essentially self-fabricated mystery was based on just one very soft piece of evidence is probably the reason this journal doesn't really contain any additional information regarding this mystery. And adult amateur detective Katie has determined that according to this Mead composition book, Kid Katie uh, found it much better to use her time to draw pictures of pogs, the female Power Rangers, and properly detail which, um, with words, her original choreography for the Macarena. So. So we will likely never truly know the fate of that paperweight. And thanks to modern technology, I will never need to know how to spell the word exercise. Thank you. Show us how to do some of your macarena. Will you do some oh, of your macarena yeah. for us? Yeah. So, and then at the beginning, you know the part where it goes ba 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 ba. I went like this, <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't remember the rest of it. But I did. I did yeah. clean up the school challenge. Yeah. Yeah. How many points? Did you place? Oh. What a shame. This generation of winners, everyone gets a trophy. Not in my America, Katie. <laughs> oh, God. Coming up next to the stage, this gentleman has done the last couple shows for us. Man, I love his story. He's such a great dude. Mr. Brian Willie. Yeah! Hey, everybody, that's a, uh, that is a tough act to follow. And I also have follow-up questions for later. All right, this is a uh, short piece of fiction that I wrote, mostly fiction. It's called uh, A Ram in the Hand is Worth Two in the Stars. I am a selfish master criminal. What's mine is mine, and sometimes what yours is mine, too. My birthday is in April, so I am Aries. Growing up, my parents were always trying to make me into a proper Aries. Their creativity and single-mindedness and finding horrible jobs for me that paid little or nothing was truly amazing. They would try to get me shit jobs if I had more than two days off in a row. Spring break, I signed you up to watch three young Venezuelan kids. Labor Day weekend, I signed you up to clean the park after the village festival. Christmas Eve, I signed you up to accompany them at midnight mass. Don't forget the dress and formal attire. I guess it was inevitable that I had become a criminal. Although I like to think of myself as a selfish master criminal, I actually do make mistakes, and I feel like I'm always learning. I mean, you never stop learning when you're doing something that you love. <laughs> I just don't make mistakes very often. 
Aries are often descended from industrious farmer folk and scientists. The best Aries are big fans of getting up super early and working late into the night. I am therefore a lousy Aries. I can't grow anything except a beard, and most of my research involves scouring the internet for neat ways to combine marijuana with tasty dessert dishes. <laughs> I despise getting up super early, even more than I hate working late into the night. I get an F in being Aries. Anyhow, having accidentally discovered the existence of alternate dimensions and alien technology during an especially successful heist, which is a long story for another time, I've made a killing by finding and selling alien gadgets, tracking and killing interdimensional travelers and off-worlders posing as humans, and taking advantage of brief travels to other worlds where I could pick up illegal contraband, or even items that don't exist in our world. I sell them to fantastically rich and very strange collectors. Recently, I found myself in possession of a piece of alien tech that I didn't fully understand after having killed its previous owner and faced with a dilemma. Do I risk my life to stop an alien invasion and save the world so I can continue to live the high life? Or do I take my riches and bail to a different dimension, leaving this world behind but ensuring my own survival? This shiny piece of tech shaped like a thick frisbee that I pulled off the body of a runner with a bounty on his head, who was shaped like a human on the outside, but a lamprey on the inside. <laughs> it does things to me more often than I can get it to do things for me. One thing it did was give me a horrific vision of an impending alien invasion, followed by vomiting and the loss of my body hair. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I don't miss the thick carpet of back fur I used to have. But I'm paralyzed by indecision regarding this invasion. The device that I looted from the pretend human, actually a giant lamprey corpse, is bound to me somehow. I can hear it talking to me, and I can talk back to it. We've had a conversation about how we can help me prevent the invasion, or fight it off if they somehow get through. That sounds pretty good, but there's a chance I could die. Apparently, receiving and brandishing godlike powers takes a lot out of you, and that kind of power was never meant for a human that hasn't even been in the Olympics. <laughs> I'm a pretty selfish guy, so that has me worried. It doesn't help that I dislike confrontation. What's more confrontational than an epic battle across time and space that might end up with my body exploding into a thick red paste? On the other hand, I could take my mysterious alien god-powered disc and escape to a different dimension, a world very similar to our own. I could retire there and spend the rest of my life drinking the alternate reality version of margaritas. <laughs> or mojitos. You get the idea. That is appealing, but also kind of frightening and sad. I don't want for the last human being from Earth to be a jerk, because that's what I'd be. While I was gnashing my teeth and wishing I could pull my hair, as I tried to make the most important decision of my life, a thought occurred to me, or was maybe put into my head, from the alien tech. Who knows? In fact, we might all be implanted with tiny pieces of alien tech that are putting thoughts in our heads. We can't really be sure, can we? <laughs> but this thought, it was this. It's one thing to be alone. That's fine. You can drink alone. You can read a book alone. You can watch a sunset alone. But it sucks to be lonely. That's when you're alone, but you're not happy about it. That's a bad kind of alone. And the people on an Earth that is similar, the folks on nearly identical but not quite Earth, well, I would never really feel connected to them. At first, I might feel superior to them, like I have this amazing secret they couldn't possibly guess. But after a while, I would just feel alone. And I bet the margaritas would never taste quite right. So I'll tell you the secret that you've probably guessed by now, because you and me, we're the same kind of people. We're from the same world. We get each other. 
I decided to meet the alien invasion head-on, and I wiped out half of them before they even reached our dimension. I took care of the other half once they got here, while they were milling around in deep space, getting their bearings. So you're still here, and I didn't die, although I probably won't live to be very old. The mysterious disk of alien tech turned dull and lifeless once the battle was over, and it doesn't talk to me anymore, but I keep it on display. Anytime I feel lonely, I walk around the city, and I feel the energy, and I know everyone is all around me all the time. Sometimes I even think there's too many of us, but I think that's just because I'm a cranky old man. I'm still not a good Aries, and sometimes, like my dad, I don't feel like leaving the house, and I get cranky about it, or I forget what year it is. And sometimes, like my mom, I want to judge strangers mercilessly, <laughs> although I never have the desire to make people dress up for no good reason. But anyways, you're welcome, though nothing says thank you like $20. <laughs> Just say it. And please, stay off my lawn. It's not yours. It's mine. <laughs> Savior of the Universe, Brian Willie, everybody. Thank you so much. Guys, if you want to contribute your $20 to Brian, please do so after the show. Uh, it's too late to buy a Taylor Swift Girl Detective right now, but you can always support Brian helping us all. That was awesome. Guys, we have two more storytellers tonight. The evening is coming to a close. It's very sad. I know, but there are two very great storytellers, starting with another friend of Kitty and Larissa. She is the host of Don't Ask Jen and Liz, an anti-advice podcast. This is Jen Ducharm. I love reading biographies of towering figures confronting taxing challenges. I watch documentaries about people beating the odds. I listen to friends' breakups or life mishaps. My favorite moment of this year's Olympics was when Hiroki Ogita's own penis robbed him the Olympic glory and recognition he worked so hard for. <laughs> Nothing's funnier than seeing someone get frustrated at their own big penis. <laughs> Whose penis was I mentioning again? Anyway, I find life intriguingly engaging when it all plays out like a 30 for 30 ESPN doc. How did you rise above the challenge and become the hero of this story? As putting in all that other work seems so hard. So today's heroes come from Arizona. Jalen, and that's spelled J-A-E-L-E-N, and Brianna, a young, pretty couple, fresh from their wedding that happened just before their senior prom. They are ready to take over the world through vlogging. <laughs> yes, you too can also learn how to blend foundation into your neck. Learn to flip houses Jalen style. Oh, no. And bask in the stresses of getting up at noon while checking your phone 32 times. No, really, you can waste 16 minutes of your life on just watching one of these videos that covers these topics. When my immeasurable glee, well, my immeasurable glee had no bounds once I saw their new video called The Reason We're Homeless Right Now! Oh, oh no. Did 
Jalen lose his business? Did they lose their house in a fire? No. They moved to Chicago for 11 hours. <laughs> Only to get creeped out by one homeless man and subsequently leave the next day. For nine minutes and 27 seconds, they tell the story as a play-by-play, but the way they describe the crazy guy's taunts sounds more like the young couple trying to superimpose logic onto the situation. It's not what actually happened. It's the way they've processed it. I mean, whatever you gotta do for that YouTube ad revenue. (laughs) After settling in, furnishing their Edgewater apartment with the best of what Ikea has to offer, they wanted to celebrate with some Chipotle. (laughs) And while they were entering in the famed Chipotle, they were approached by a dirty, homeless man (laughs) who antagonized them to the point of them ordering an Uber to take them back to their car parked half a block away. He lost his wallet, and she lost her phone and said Uber. (laughs) They freaked out, calling their parents, asking them to come get them and take them back to Arizona. (laughs) Now, I will not tell their story with captivating reverence, because I feel cheated. I was so ready to see rich people (laughs) exploit this city for their own musings. (laughs) I was ready for the Cubs box. It's raining and the game's still on? (laughs) Question mark, question mark, question mark 11? (laughs) And the, this line for Alinea is so long and we had reservation? (laughs) And I was really looking forward to, we took an improv class and it was so... to watch how much fun it can be when you get to ride the white waves crashing all over this city. We were robbed, you guys. (laughs) Robbed. And what a perfect way it would have been to find out how much fun it would be to be in that place. I'm being honest. (laughs) But our heroes, they failed us. And now I'm left asking, what if? What if our fair-skinned heroes truly rose to the occasion and made the city their own? Thanks. Thank you, Jen. You know, they say you have to be the change you want to see in the world, so I'll do it. I'll go to Chipotle after the show. I can make this happen. Yeah! Guys, we have one more storyteller than that. You've seen her up here already, singing her ass off. She's so great. Now she's going to tell a story. Becca Brown! Sorry, that was so rude. Oh, God. Um, no, thank you, seriously. Um, so my friends used to joke that my love life is like one terrible Taylor Swift song. And I always got defensive and told myself they were wrong, but two years ago my friends were proven right. 
I knew he was trouble when he walked in to the first day of rehearsal. For confidentiality, we'll call him S. My friends warned me that S was a notorious, womanizing, lying, cheating prick. And he's playing my boyfriend in a show. I was 22 and wasn't a good listener. <laughs> On paper, us was great. Great singer, great actor. We had a ton in common, including our great sense of smell and the fact that we're both in the beer business and our mutual love for The Wiz, which we both think is 100% better than The Wizard of Oz. Fight me. Um, he had a serious on-and-off girlfriend who we'll call D of five years. I only knew of her through my best friend who we'll call N. N was in love with S's girlfriend, D. They had worked together at the now defunct Red Moon Theater, and he was one of those people that had warned me about S. More on that later. Uh, after two weeks of rehearsal, S and I were kind of flirting. It started out innocent, but one night he texted me saying, You intrigue me. <laughs> he then told me I smelled like summertime and freedom. <laughs> and that he wanted to know what I taste like. Uh, I should have said no, but again, I was 22 and stupid. <laughs> I knew all too well what I was getting into with S. I had been the other women once, and it felt icky and mean, but for some reason I was intrigued by S too. Uh, S would always offer me rides home on his motorcycle from rehearsal. We would sit on my porch, and he would tell me he was only staying with D because he was comfortable, and they fought all the time, and she bored him, and she wasn't as intriguing as I was. But then he'd ride away to his apartment that he shared with D and their pug. Uh, but one night, uh, oh shit! <laughs> one night, my best friend N called. Can we edit that in post? <laughs> one night, N called me saying, "I need you to take one for the team and help me make D realize what a cheating prick S is." And I couldn't believe that part of me was intrigued to see what would happen. And now, looking back on it, I was doing a lot of cocaine then, so now it kind of makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I. I I couldn't believe like how excited I was to get into this like high school drama club bullshit and see what would ensue. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that like I thought that there would be any good out of this situation. Uh, I knew it was bad blood from this point on, but again, I was 22 and stupid! So stupid, and I was willing to help out my best friend even if it meant hurting some people in the process. Now one night after rehearsal, we stopped by a bar and I got way too drunk from five ounce beer samples. Uh, and had I not blacked out, maybe I wouldn't have coerced him to come in, but in the blank space of my blackout, I was ruthless and persistent. He came in, and the deed was done. I felt terrible the next day, and I told S he had to tell his girlfriend that he cheated. A week later, I woke up to a slew of truly cruel yet deserved messages from D. She said verbatim, I am well aware I have an incredibly weak-willed boyfriend who is a sucker for young, talented puss. After five years, that isn't news to me. I told her I felt bad for them both, and she responded, Hey, I'm allowing this and sticking around. You don't have to feel bad for me. And I said, I wish you would see that you deserve much fucking better than a guy who tells you he loves you, but then in the same day tells some other girl that she smells like summertime and freedom. And the only reason he's staying with his long-term girlfriend is because she's comfortable. You know, you deserve someone who doesn't treat your heart like it's a piece of dog shit covered in AIDS cancer. And then she dropped the bomb on me that she'd been fucking N, my best friend, and sent me a, a picture of her breasts, which I thought was completely unnecessary. But I... <laughs> Do you, girlfriend? I don't know. 
She's like, I think this is only fair. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for the tits. Um, she, she told me that she, she told, she'd sent me her titties, and then she told me she was going to end things with N, and that she and Essa were going to try to work things out, despite all the cheating. And after a week of dealing with S crying to me at rehearsal and a heartbroken, angry, drunk best friend and a few more tit pics, uh, I stepped away from all three of them. And I met Dee in person on the, na- uh, the night of the opening of the play. She's perfectly civil and kind. She even gave me an open invitation for a threesome, to which I said, no! <laughs> no! Too many limbs involved! It's overwhelming! Uh, there was no sense of intrigue there for a threesome. Uh, I was safe and sound, not dealing with these toxic humans anymore. N still has not gotten over D and has since moved to Orlando, where he's working at Disney, and he's miserable. D and S are now engaged to be married. Have fun. And my love life is no longer like a Taylor Swift song, because I feel like that went out of style. (laughs) I vow to trust my instincts. If I know someone is trouble when they walk in, I avoid them like the plague. I vow to trust my friends when they warn me about someone, and I vowed to never, ever, ever be the other woman again. Thank you. Becca Brown, everybody. Yeah, man. Oh, crap. Guys, we got one more song. Come on up, everybody. We've reached the end of the evening. Anyone remember a show called CMT Crossroads? Yes. <laughs> Great. So Taylor Swift did an episode, and it was legitimately my, my favorite musical thing of 2008. Uh, I won't tell you who she crossed with, but you'll get it by halfway through the yeah. song. Wait, It'll be I'm, very clear. I'm sorry, Katie, did you just say you attended a taping of that? Yes, I yeah. did. Which one? Don't say, if it was this one, don't say who. Oh, wow. Cute. They recorded in Nashville, right? Yeah. Was that when you were down there? Yes. In college. I would have killed to be in, in the uh, You guys watch Weird TV. One. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll understand why I watched it when we get to the second half, but uh, it's not Bruce Springsteen, though. But anyway, so this, this uh, is called Should Have Said No. It's off Taylor's first album. One, two, three...
sweet the taste, saccharin, cause I'm hot, hot, so hot, sticky and sweet, from my head, 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 to my feet, It's so fucking good. I've never seen her look whiter <laughs> than her trying to dance, be like. Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Improvised Star Trek. Improvised Star Trek is an improvised parody of Star Trek featuring the adventures of the crew of the USS Sisyphus, a slightly less enterprising starship. For more information, visit theimprovisedstartrek.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.